Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. UX Cake is all about developing the layers you need to be more effective in your work and to be happy and fulfilled in your career. I'm your host, Lee Allen Arredondo, and I'm a UX leader and leadership coach. Hello, and welcome to UX Cake. Today, we're talking about building design teams that scale, and especially, how do you build a design team that is both values-driven and high-performance? My guest, Anjali Deswandekar, is the design director at Lollipop Design, and she has an immense amount of experience in setting up design teams and practices, as well as nurturing and developing designers who are producing world-class design and keeping them motivated to learn and improve and contribute to the team. Anjali built a 250-plus person team from the ground up for Lollipop Design in Mumbai, and she's doing it again, this time in San Jose, California. So let's find out how Anjali approaches building a design team that scales and the important elements she's learned to put in place as a team grows from a handful to over 250. Be sure to check out the resource links from this episode in the podcast description or show notes, and let's get started. Hi, Anjali. It is so great to have you here on UX Cake. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. It's great to be here and discussing with you such an important topic. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Are you joining me today from your office in San Jose? Yes, this is my office in San Jose. I'll be at a Lollipop San Jose office right now. Awesome. I am very excited to speak with you today. We're going to be talking about building and scaling UX design teams. And there is a lot in that. I know that there's a lot to cover. So hopefully we'll hit the high points. But before we dive into that, I would really love to, if you could take us back a little to what it was like for you becoming a design manager for the first time. It's an interesting thing to start off. Takes me back to what I actually felt like to become a design manager. Honestly speaking, when I think of that time, when I first stepped into the leadership or management of a design team, never actually felt myself that I have climbed up the ladder as a designer because I wanted to keep myself as a designer as long as I can. I'm, I'm still a designer. But then if you disconnect yourself and keep yourself, position yourself on a higher scale as a design manager or leader, Sometimes people tend to lose or get disconnected with the actual designers. I never wanted to do that. So I kind of kept telling myself that it's okay. I'm just a part of the team as much as everyone else is. And let's see how it goes. So that was actually my feeling. But I did know that there is a lot of responsibility. There are going to be my team who will be looking up to me. There will be my seniors who will be questioning me. So it's a position that you definitely need to carry the weight very well, understanding your responsibilities. So those were my thoughts. And I think as for most people, the first time you do it, many of us feel like we're almost like thrown into it, but you learn as you go. And 
I'm very curious. So now you have been building teams and scaling teams and you're doing it again now in San Jose for Lollipop Design. And I would love to dive into, before we jump into building and scaling, kind of the foundational things that maybe some of the skills that you had to develop that have really proven to be foundational for you. Yeah. So if I have to talk about the skills that you need to be part of the leadership team into design. I can say that sometimes it's in you that you have that driving force to come forward and lead a bunch of teams, the bunch of designers. That's there in you, but as a part of something important that you must remember or develop as a skill is, I can say, empathy. As designers, it's very evident that the emotions are always on a highs. You need to be very careful and understanding, very empathetic to know that you are among a bunch of a group who are emotionally driven folks. When there is a high in emotion, there comes the greatest creative things or we can build beautiful products. So emotions are important, but for developing skills, I would say having that empathetic view, understanding that everyone is emotionally driven Because when giving and taking feedback, what happens is we tend to upset someone. And if someone goes down emotionally, that affects the quality. So definitely there is always a give and take in any design teams. You need to constantly keep improving because everyone comes from their own perspective. But when you're working as a team, when you have a design team leader, you need to be making sure that the quality is maintained, that there are design directions that are intended to be in the give and take of the feedback. Sometimes what happens is the other person or a member of your team may not understand your perspective. They may feel that it's a personal remark at their output. So you need to be very careful how you open your feedback towards them. And that is why it's very important to understand and always keep reminding yourself of your own journey. As a designer, when you give a feedback, obviously there is an impact. But a very important skill is to channel that impact into something that's productive for you or that it's going to be turned as an improvement for you. You need to come down to a designer's level and always speak their language in a way that you respect them in a way that you are able to explain it to them, why and how, what is the reason you are telling them this, how this is going to give them lead into something. So it's always best to give them examples from your own journey, from your own experiences with working with clients. It's like working with a bunch of kids. If you're going to tell a kid, he's not going to understand because there is a gap in perspective. Once you give an example, they tend to understand. So that's how you can be empathetic with them. Yeah. And I definitely want to get to some of the more soft skills. And so I want to circle back around to that. Maybe before we dive in a little bit more, you have been building teams. And like I said, you're doing it again for Lollipop Design. And that's what you're doing in San Jose. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about the teams that you have built What's the function? There's a lot of different ways to describe design or UX. Maybe what functionality in the whole product lifecycle is your team involved in? Yeah, certainly I can talk about that. So I have been part of Lollipop Design for 
over four years now. And that's my major term where I have been building teams, design teams, and I'm still scaling them at different locations right now. Even previously, I was part of other bunch of companies where I have built design teams and managed them. But Lollipop being the recent and the present, I would like to talk about it the most. When I started off, the task that was given to me back in 2018 was Lollipop wanted to start off with another center in Mumbai. Now, Mumbai in India is the fintech center. So we wanted to tap into the clients from fintech and edtech. So we wanted to explore there. So they wanted to open a center in Mumbai. So I was pretty new to that, though I have been a design manager, but I thought unless you take a new challenge, you won't grow yourself. So it's always good to take up new things. I took it up and we literally started from scratch where at that center, I had no one. So we started hiring teams. My primary focus has always been UX. So I have more experience in user experience, design and user research. But my role over here was as an overall design manager to build the entire design team. Now, the structure that we have here is we have UX designers and we have UI designers. We have artists and illustrators. But when you are a design leader, when you are building and scaling the entire design team, you definitely need to have an understanding of how each and every team fit together, what are their roles, and how they function collaboratively good enough to be able to deliver your end product. Now, speaking of UX designers, I would say the UX is the front engine of any work that we begin. Having said that, we need to understand if we are building any product. Let's take an example of if we are building a digital product, then it is this team who steps in first. And that is why we can say that we get the ball rolling. We need to understand the overall business intent. We need to be able to paint that vision of how this product is going to be. And we, since that I'm talking we as in the UX team, being the front engine of any design journey, we need to make sure that there is a lot of weight on the shoulders where we need to make sure that whatever we are painting as a picture, that's being rendered as intended. Okay, so you're talking about the next <laughs> afterwards when you hand it off. Yeah, it's never your job done when you just hand it off to the next team. You have to take that responsibility of making sure that it is being developed as you have envisioned because it's the UX team who envisions it, who paints that picture to the business that this is how your product is going to look like. And over here, thankfully, the kind of team that we have built, the kind of platform that we have, the processes, we'll talk about that more, but the processes that we have laid out we are able to make sure that we are 100% delivering what we paint. So that is where we fit in as a UX team. And we start off by starting with the vision, goals, and everything, and then have a blueprint of the entire design. Then we hand it off to the next who add in more magic to it by putting colors and fonts, etc., which is the UI team. And then comes in the development side where we have to make sure that all of these teams are with us from day one. For example, that we can suggest some 10 features for any kind of product, but what if the development team is not able to deliver that? So we have to understand the tech feasibility as well. 
So we make sure that every team in the entire design journey is involved with us, along with us, and then we handhold them uh, what we have designed. So that's where we fit in. And that's where my aim was in terms of building the UX journey. I'm curious, are you working in a, it sounds like a more of an agency type where your clients are the ones who are responsible for coming up with the idea for the product and then they hire your company to build that. So where do you have an opportunity to affect the overall strategy of the product as far as very often UX designers and researchers are able to identify maybe some misses and gaps in what the business thinks their users want and then what their users actually want or need. So I'm curious how you and your teams work with that. That's very important aspect because I believe, and that's what even I give it back and try to have such values into my team is we should not be taking the entire responsibility of building the product. I like to call UX designers or designers overall as the facilitators. We are a very essential factor in the design journey where we need to step in and show the direction. We need to step in and show this is how it's done and why it's done. So that is where we plug and play. Because when you said that businesses give us the idea, but they don't know how to execute it. They don't know if it will be effective or not, whether it will be successful or not. What we do is we do have different methods. We do conduct workshops where there are such interactive and collaborative workshops, which, for example, we do discovery workshop where we discuss, we brainstorm with businesses. And these are the times when they realize through the methods and techniques that we use during the workshop that they understand, okay, we are thinking of this route, but that may not be possible at this point in time. Because of the perspective we bring in with our own experience with other projects and other products, such workshops are really, I would say, eye-opening workshops, even for businesses. And our job over there is like a facilitator to drive them, to show them the entire ecosystem, to tell them what is possible, what is not possible, what can hit the mark in the market, what can make you unsuccessful. For example, we come in and bring in perspective from all three sides. The businesses have their own perspective, but we bring in the market perspective, we bring in the user perspective, and we also bring in the usability aspect to it, which is the how it can be done. With all of that, we play a role of a facilitator who help them understand their own vision in a much better way. And then we're set to do 10 things, but it makes sense to just cut short and do the four things first, get a feedback from the users, and then move on to the next thing. So this is the kind of, I would say, an important process which happens at the initial stage of any engagement along with us being involved. We are that agent who make that change or we drive them to such decisions. Thank you for that. That helps sort of paint the picture with for how your teams are working. So let's talk a little bit about building a team that can do all of what you are just describing, which is discovery through 
execution and integrating with researchers, integrating with product managers, integrating with your clients, integrating with developers. That's kind of a monumental task. So I would love to maybe break it down a little as far as fundamentally what has to be in place first. What are the most important things to have in place when you are identifying how am I going to build this team? Fundamentally, if we have to think what things we need to take care of is when you're a very small team or we're just starting off to build a team. Of course, when I started my first team building here in Mumbai four years back, I brought in my experience from the industry and from my past experiences. It is a great chance to include or have those values set for your team. It is very important when you are a very small team, like say a seven to eight member team, to work very cohesively, to respect each other, to make sure that each and every member are now a very key member, which will turn into seniors as we grow. So it's very important fundamentally at that point in time to work very cohesively, making sure that you meet quite often, you reiterate your values as a team, or you reiterate your vision, where you want to go, how far, how big you want to grow, where, and what is the path that you have envisioned. That's very crucial because this core team is going to build further down. So that's on a softer side or soft skills, you can say. Apart from that, in terms of structure, in terms of processes, the moment you hit the mark of, say, 15, 20, or start growing further than that, there are more designers. Obviously, there are more dynamics within the team. And that's when you have to make sure that you have a proper structure in place, a hierarchy in place. But that's just on the paper. Like career ladders is sort of what you're talking about? Yeah, I would say the structure of the team where you have juniors and then you have associate seniors and then seniors and then associate leads and leads, that kind of structure in place. So you need to have a kind of structure on paper so that you know how your team is going to expand, whether you're not making your team bottom heavy or top heavy. You need to strike that right balance because obviously the way team is going to expand, it's going to have an effect on your business or on your financials also. You need to have a very strong structure in place and build on top of that. But when I say it should be only on paper, as in it should be very subtle, it should be very flat structure when it comes to working on the ground. Because very crucial thing is you need to respect each and every team member and should not consider their levels or what role they present whether they are juniors or seniors. Because when it comes to ideas, any fresher or junior can give as equal of an idea as any lead or any senior that can give you. It's a very fine balance that you need to have, even though you have a set structure as a team, that everyone in the team is respected. Everyone in the team is valued. And it sounds like you have maybe even earlier on developed a structure so that you can have more experienced people mentoring the less experienced people. Of course, that's the importance of us having a structure. And you did mention about a career ladder. So that's also another path that we had defined early stages. I had set for the career paths of every person because any person who joins your company or your team 
it's a win-win for both of us. It's the company is gaining that talent and that designer is joining such a great team. It's a vice versa. So a designer looks up to you for having a great time here and having a great career here. So it's very important as a design lead to make sure that everyone's career path is stitched well. It's been communicated to them and their aspirations, their goals, their objectives have been considered and been laid out. So it's a very transparent kind of discussions you need to have with them on a frequent basis that this is where they stand. This is where they want to go. And what is that delta that they want to cover for going to the next step? That for every person needs to be done. Every designer has to be done within the team. Yeah, for sure. Those are really important steps that sometimes can linger on. Sometimes they pushed out beyond the day-to-day work. But speaking of day-to-day work, I'd love to know how you went about it the first time building in your processes. And then maybe we can get to what you do differently now or what you realized you would do differently. But yeah, what were the processes that you were putting into place to make sure things were being able to run smoothly? And there's so many things. There's resourcing that has to be done. And there's the actual tools that everybody's going to be using. And there's design systems. And when you're in an agency, you're working with a whole lot of different clients. And you've also got things to consider like change management and (laughs) bug management. And there's so many things that the design operations piece. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about what was most important to have in place early on and then kind of what was able to grow more organically. Yeah, so starting off first, it was very important to have a team structure, as I mentioned, to have it in place, to have everyone's career path drawn and a method to do so when anyone joins you. Once that is when individually everyone is taken care of, The next thing that was pretty much important was onboarding piece. So the way you operate with different apps or websites, personally, you feel the onboarding is something that welcome piece, which is very important to you. If you don't feel welcomed, then there is a disconnect or you feel that you haven't got a good experience. We figured out that onboarding piece has to be done well for anyone who joins them. They join us with a lot of dreams, with a lot of aspirations. They need to be reciprocated in the same way. So that needs to be taken care of. Onboarding is a very important piece. And as you mentioned, there are different things in the design ops. Of course, there is client handling, there is recruiting, which is the hiring piece. There is other soft skill development piece. There is a technical skills development piece. And then there are many more like that. There are other initiatives which keep the team active and alive. So those kind of things also need to go on. The moment we started hitting the mark of 50 and 100, and now we are 250 plus designers team overall globally. But the moment you start growing, you need to start defining each of these pockets, which are important for a design ops. What we felt, me alongside few other leads, what we figured out is it is best to find out everyone's interest in some people are great in terms of conducting team activities. Some people are just great. I'm talking about all designers. So 
some designers are great in client handling they are great in talking to them they are great in convincing some are great in understanding about hiring they have that kind of knack to know this will be a great fit for our team so our first thing was to identify who has what interest and then we made a platform where we had these different groups we call it squads and then we made those group and made those designers responsible for those tasks we told them that's your kind of a unit that's your squad you build it and you grow it so anyone who is given a responsibility of something that they like they take it to the next level so that's what we tried to do and this made sure that apart from the routine work we do as a designer being a ux designer or a ui designer if we are associated with some kind of a task and then we've been given some kind of a responsibility towards our design agency then they will put 100% and everyone has been successful in doing so that's how we divided and gave the responsibilities and control of individual operations within the design ops to these units and they started driving it on their own so it became a self running engine where things are moving smoothly on their own. Yeah. I'm curious about the integrated processes and how you were able to if you've got different squads managing the things that come to mind are everybody needs to agree on file structure. <laughs> For some reason that's always problem. Not everyone needs to agree on, but there has to be common language for the processes you're using, the tools you're using. And so maybe you could tell us a little bit about kind of before you had the squads because I imagine like at some point you weren't big enough to have squads yet, but maybe you had individuals and you were able to put one person in charge of figure out what sort of tools <laughs> we should be using in the process for that and for how are we going to interact with developers? What tools are we going to use? so that they can see our work they know where to go what tools are we going to use so that we can track the bugs and you know on the front end what tools are we going to use so that we can more efficiently create functional specs if you do that or prototyping and things like that in terms of processes definitely as you said the squads is kind of something that has been running in parallel but having a quality output something that keeps our standards or we grow in terms of delivery standards that was the main function that we had to focus on so a collaboration was the key over there and setting up the right processes was a key what we tried to do over there was every unit we need to understand how it fits well in the entire design journey as i had mentioned earlier as a role of a ux designer in terms of the entire design journey we have set processes in terms of making sure that for an example when we hand it over to a developer there is a tracking sheet where we put screens design versus what has been developed and we compare one on one and we come up with the changes and for that we schedule calls frequently on a daily basis to make sure that it is being developed the way we have designed when we start off there is always a detailed plan in place which is of a design plan and then there is a development plan it works in parallel so we don't have to wait for a design to get over and then we start with the development everything over here we make sure that it works in parallel so all the teams are talking to each other at every point in time they are collaborating with each other 
and handing off the stuff which has been signed off to the next team. And there is a definitely a file structure. There is a documentation in place where we have finalized on a few things where there is a platform where we hand over the stuff. Because what we do is obviously the client needs to know what's going on, where we stand. We have a team, which is a very crucial team, which we call it as project managers. They kind of bind everyone of us together. They make sure that everything is being adhered as per the standards. Everything is being sticking to the plan. The next team gets a heads up if there is a challenge for the previous team. Our next team gets everything that is dependable for them. That's how all of our teams are tied up together. We take a help of tools like Trello. We use Drive to share the data. We use Hangouts. We use Miro boards. We use Figma for designing and transferring the design elements to the next team. That's how we collaborate and we make sure that we are following the processes so that it gets passed on in a way it needs to be. I'm curious if in building teams, you have found sort of some, where are the big shifts? Your primary focus before your team is 10 people, maybe, what's that look like? But then going from 10 to 15 or 20, what are the challenges there? I would say while building from a smaller number to the bigger number, the main challenge is while we say that we include all the best values and keep the culture growing and we have all the team motivated towards the growth, the key factor is we are not just doing that. We are also working on the live projects at that moment. We've been busy all of the time, but then we also have to make sure that the other aspects have been taken care of. So we are under the pressure at all times because we are an agency. We have to keep our standards high in terms of what we deliver. But at the same time, every designer, all our team needs to be motivated enough. So this is the greatest challenge that I've always faced. Since if you have been working for days together on a very busy schedule, on a very challenging project, we need to again circle back as a team. We need to again come back and have some fun activity. We need to again get involved in some other aspects of the other squads that we have defined. So that becomes challenging when we are really crunched with time in terms of delivering something. So it becomes very challenging and some designers feel that, okay, they want to give up. They don't want to continue. There is too much of a pressure. So as a design leaders, you need to tell them that it's a phase which they want to go through and that how best learnings that they can take out of this time. There are sometimes there are clients and businesses who are really tough. They make your job so tough that you want to give up that, okay, I'm I'm done with so many iterations. And it's like you feel sometimes limited to tell them the importance of what you are bringing the value. But at such times, in a way, you are kind of improving your communication skills. You are improving your patience for working with them. Such things as a design leader, you need to go back and tell your team that it's not just for the work that you're here. It's also for building yourself as an overall holistic designer in terms of communication, in terms of building other soft skills. These are the tough times which you need to back your team. You need to tell them what are the 
good things that you can take away from such tough times so those are the challenges that you face you need to have a very stable head and keep backing your team up at all times i'm curious if there are any things that you put into place earlier on that you found didn't scale maybe as you got bigger and you had to find new ways to do it, it was something that comes to mind for me is with a smaller team there's a certain approach you could take for everyone reviewing each other's work, doing regular reviews of each other's work. And as you grow, if you don't have something to replace that, I've seen that fall by the wayside and nobody's reviewing each other's work and everyone's in a silo. So that's just one example, but I'm curious if anything like that comes to mind for you. Of course, that did happen. It's never like everything is running smoothly <laughs> ever. So <laughs> everyone gets distracted. Everyone gets busier in terms of doing their own things. So we did have these moments where we faced that, okay, everyone is busy. So what happens to all the things that we have said or planned for the team? It has happened with us where there have been some skips in terms of reviews. But then we, as a leadership team that we have built, we are always in a close connect. We keep communicating. We look at the gaps that we have missed or what happened. And then we build or make sure that we have an action plan for that thing not to be repeated. There are some misses in terms of some wrong hires that we do. There are sometimes misses in terms of someone had some personal issue, they missed reviewing some files, and the file just went off. But the very important part is, as a design leader, how do you step in and solve that problem? Are you responsible enough to go back to that, understand what actually happened, and come up with an action plan for that? It's a very crucial thing for any design leader to understand that everything has a way. Everything can be solved. If you go with that vision, I guess there is no problem. Even if we have such roadblocks, there is definitely a way out. You just need to be very observant and I would say on toes and be connected as a leadership team together to be able to step in and solve and come up with some action plan. Something that you just said made me think because I have seen a lot of leaders who are building a team for the first time. Depends on personality, but some people can be incredibly afraid of making mistakes, and that's human. First of all, you can tell them all you want. Well, you're going to make mistakes and it's just going to happen, so don't let it stop you from moving forward. But something you just said made me think about a really important part, which is that as much as possible, you don't have to do it alone. Like you said, you established early on kind of a design leadership team with you so that you've got other people who are able to sort of help you keep checks and balances maybe. That's really important to establish that first. What you're talking about is finding ways that you're not the only person responsible for the way things are running. And so I'd love to get your thoughts on maybe some advice for someone who's in that position. How can someone else go about doing that? I would say it's very tricky to say, but you are alone. 
but at the same time you're not alone <laughs> you know it's a very kind of a different paradox if i'm <laughs> talking about yeah. but what i mean is you as a design leader should take the entire responsibility that way you're alone yes but how you're not alone is you don't have to build entire weight on your shoulders yes you be responsible but to lift those weights you build a team around you who you feel can do along with you because it's simple as if you're going to need some tools you are going to need some tools you cannot do that alone and you need to be able to see that vision you need to be able to see what are your strengths what are your own weaknesses and what are your limitations that way you can make the team which supports you in a way to fill your gaps and in a way makes you stronger as a leadership team so that's very important and that's why i can say that it's been a great learning for me as well you need to train your mind to be adaptive for changes as well so it's very crucial that you need to understand that every step it's not the end but you're going to learn further as well and it's even better if you can teach your team to do the same <laughs> Yes and that's why at Lollipop this is a, another important aspect what we do is we give a lot of importance for learning and sharing because being in this design field being the designer you need to be at top of the game now we are in the US and then we are alongside the other top agencies we need to understand the maturity of the market which we definitely do from the kind of work that we've been doing here in the US and a kind of feedback that we get but another aspect is keep that learning and sharing very much alive within your team where everyone feels that they are growing they're not just doing some work which is being given to them but they are learning they've been given responsibilities and they are in the game as per the latest trends and they are producing some great work which is top notch as per the latest standards so that's again a responsibility of a leadership team to make sure that you are passing on those practices knowledge and whatever it takes for everyone to learn i love that i think that's a really great way to segue into our <laughs> to the end of our <laughs> conversation which has been fantastic but before we go i'm wondering if you have any resources that you would suggest for others who are building teams or doing something that you have done Honestly the practicality of the thing is I can say that I have a few resources but I get such less time to go through them so <laughs> I rely on talking and learning from I would say my seniors from other design leaders by conversing with them by knowing their experiences and when I talk to my team I tell them my own experiences and my knowledge about it and how i have gone about it or i discuss with them so that's the primary thing i would say you should one rely on but apart from that i follow jared spool and there is a great platform that jared has built on leaders of awesomeness that there are great topics that are discussed there i like to listen to those and that kind of it's a very practical way of telling the solutions to some problems so a design leader can anytime go to such platforms then there are design better design ops handbooks from design better there is a design leadership handbook there are bunch of these things which are like again team topologies 
there are three four things which i can say people can go through whenever they have time but yeah i think it is best to be very much alive in the design community to keep meeting the other design leaders to share their knowledge and experiences and analyze from that to be able to guide your own team and i'll be sure to add those links to the show notes page and in the description that leaders of awesomeness platform is large and it's free so that is a good one to mention to folks i can send you those links in case that would be wonderful all right i have very much enjoyed our conversation anshali so thank you so much for joining me today on ux cake thank you so much i enjoyed talking to you as well thank you lee hey if you enjoyed this slice of ux cake please share this episode with a friend or a few. You can share it on social media even. It really helps us spread the word and get this free content to more people. You can follow UX Cake on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram, and get all the episodes and show notes at uxcake.co. Thank you so much for listening and for sharing the UX Cake.